Prison Colony Resistance is brought to you by Sam and the Maxman Productions. podcast prison colony resistance we are here bringing you another very special interview with someone that you want to listen to because this might be one of the most important conversations that you'll listen to this year if not your life we will give you such good information in this interview that you'll be able to apply right away um so without further ado sam are you in the house are you with me today i am how are you going Bax man i'm good sam how are you I'm pretty well. You know, this is the third day we've been spending together. I, I, this is um, a lot of time. Yeah, know, a bit too I much. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Mm, yeah, I'm starting to like look at you like one of those turkey legs, you know, in the cartoons. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I might settle down. <laughs> so today we have someone who is, is such an important guest because what we have uh, being instituted around the country is, um, is a technology called 5G. Now, we've all heard about 5G. And Nicole Belsmar, she's our guest today. Welcome, Nicole. How are you? Well, thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you for coming on. And uh, you're part of the Healthy Home Movement, the uh, Building Biology in Australia, as I understand it. Yes, that's right. So I established the Building Biology industry two decades ago, and we were nationally accredited training in building biology and advanced deployment of building biology and a and part of that involves electromagnetic field testing so we go around and, and test homes for exposures to wireless technologies wow and um you are the ceo of the australian college of environmental studies yes and uh, what exactly does that college do so we run nationally accredited training in building biology, which really looks at the health hazards in the built environment. Most of the work we do is involves testing water-damaged homes for mould, but we also look at wireless technologies and the impact on human health, chemicals, lead, um, drinking water, any way in which the home could impact people's health, that's what we, we look at. So uh, a big part of the work we do is to educate consumers how to reduce their exposures to uh, radiation, um, chemicals, and of course, mould, 
And what we're finding anecdotally is that a significant proportion of people are becoming more and more electrically sensitive. And a lot of it seems to be happening also in mouldy environments. So we find this exposure to water damage and mould exposure, which impacts their body to a point where they become even more sensitive to electromagnetic fields. So it'd be interesting to look at the, in, the synergism between electromagnetic fields, chemicals and mould, because I really see them as one and the same things in terms of their impact on the body. Now, we hear from the government, they're saying, oh, don't worry about it, it's safe. Telstra's telling us it's safe. Optus is telling us it's fine. Um, all these 5G towers are going up everywhere. It's one of the one industries that was not locked down. While we were all staying at home under lockdowns, the 5G tower guys were still out there constructing their towers and getting a nice grid going so that we can have fast downloads. But this radiation, this electromagnetic radiation, these waves that are coming off these towers, are not so safe? Well, I think what we need to get really clear is the wireless technologies that we've launched, you know, especially since 3G in the early 2000s, has shown a significant body of evidence to show that there are adverse health effects. And we actually know at a cellular level what impact they are having. At the moment, a lot of the 5G that is in use is using 4G frequencies, um, 1900 megahertz, 2400 megahertz, etc. So um, they are having adverse health effects. The 5G technology has a completely different infrastructure that requires, you know, antennas every 200 metres or so from the home because they're high millimetre wave radiation. Essentially, that means the wavelengths are a lot shorter, so you need more of the infrastructure to penetrate uh, the built environment. Um, and there is a, a significant body of data in the 60s and 70s that this technology impacts the eyes and the skin, um, causing cataracts and potentially blindness, um, which is well established, and also impacts degranulation of mast cells in the skin. Of course, it was used in the military for crowd control. So it's been around for many, many decades. Um, and of course, now they're launching it uh, across the entire planet and of course you know over 20,000 satellites in the magnetosphere so essentially there won't be any part of this planet that isn't exposed to this high millimeter wave radiation that was developed by the military for crowd control and um, which means we don't have a control and as a researcher how on earth can you establish cause and effect if there's no part of the planet that isn't impacted by radio frequencies to some point? You know, there's already a significant body of data to say it affects insects, which have declined significantly, which has massive ramifications for food um, production. Uh, and yet we've have a huge impact on bees, not just through pesticides, but of course, mobile phone base stations. And now we're about to launch 5G and dramatically impact the terrestrial radiation that we've evolved on the Earth's magnetic field, the Schumann resonance. I mean, massive, massive correlations to concerns being raised by many organisations, many doctors, many researchers have signed huge amount of appeals and it's falling on deaf ears. So you, you, you mentioned just before that this technology designed by military for crowd control. So was this the type of... Um, I say weaponry that was used over the weekend in Canberra with the uh, with the protests that was going on with the the long range acoustic device, or is that something completely completely different? Look, that that is a form of infrasound, which is still an electromagnetic wave, so to speak, um, and it's very it's beam technology. So unless you're directly in line of that beam, then it's going to be impacting. You know, then you'll be aware of that. Um, so, yes, it's still a form of electromagnetic field 
um, device that is being impacted for and used by military use. So there are definitely concerns. So I guess what I'm saying is not only are we concerned about this new infrastructure to support the fourth industrial revolution, the 5G network, which has some data already to show that it causes blindness and affects the skin. There's no long-term data, unfortunately, but we know the existing wireless technologies that are, that are out there are having huge ramifications on human health. So, and these is well established and most of the public have no idea about it. For example, in 2001, there was a parliamentary inquiry into electromagnetic radiation that was published in May 2001 by the Commonwealth of Australia. And that committee chair um, summarised that they had grave concerns about the rollout of wireless technologies, especially for children. And they have provided several recommendations, all of which were not only ignored, but they've done the opposite. One of those, for example, was that our PANSA, the Australian Radiation Protection and Nuclear Safety Authority, should not provide advice or health advice on adverse health effects associated with uh, electromagnetic fields. And yet they are our governing body for health advice. Um, they also stated that the, the radiation levels should not exceed more than 2 million microwatts per square metre. And yet our current standards allow up to 9 million, 10 million microwatts per square metre. So, I mean, it's extraordinary that there has been a parliamentary inquiry that already raised concerns about biological effects of the rollout of wireless technologies in 2001. And all of that, that was summarised by the committee chair was not only ignored, but they did the opposite to what they suggested. Now we're introducing another form of technology, millimetre wave radiation in the form of 5G, <laughs> and you know, without any requirements for industry telecommunications to prove without doubt that it's safe. I mean, this is just extraordinary. That's over 20 years since we've had that recommendation and we've done the opposite and we've instead flooded the country with more of this stuff that was recommended that we've not do exactly right i mean part if we look at recommendation 2.3 they state that um parents and children should be advised of the associated risks associated with mobile phones wow they should that provide recommendations on shielding and hands-free options and also regulate devices for emf um, reductions mm. none of that was done now we've heard that um the testing um one of the main enemies of of this sort of um of what they're trying to kind of implement across the country and across the world. Uh, one of our main enemies is Sam. Oh, well, not our Sam, the other Sam, the simulated, or what is it like a simulated? Uh, Mannequin, yep. One more time, Nicole? I can't remember, it's anthropomorphic or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a simulated anthropomorphic mannequin. Yeah, so basically it's a, it's a mannequin and they fill the head with water and they put the phone a certain distance away from the head. So it's not even touching the head. Then they uh, run the phone at a certain, for a certain amount of time and they come back and they measure the water inside this mannequin's head to see if it has raised in temperature. And if it's raised more than one Celsius, that determines the, uh, the lethality or the danger of these waves. Yes. Now, the thing to know about testing is there's two ways to test. First, any device that's de developed to be on your person, Bluetooth and cell phones, for example, pacemakers, they tested using SAM, a specific absorption rate, the SAR rate, which is watts per kilogram of tissue. It's based on heating effects, like you said. There's a huge amount of data, over 2,000 studies now that have shown very clearly that the mechanism by which 
radio frequencies, which is used in wireless technologies, impact the body is it acts on voltage-gated calcium channels on the cell membrane, specifically in the heart, the testes, and the central nervous system and brain um, to cause adverse health effects, oxidative stress, etc. So this testing is useless because it's just showing heating effects when we know with over 2,000 studies that it acts on the cell membrane. Of course, there's no cell membranes in a plastic mannequin that's designed for a 100-kilo U.S. military man in the 80s, which is what it was developed <laughs> Or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. The second <laughs> testing is based on far field effects. So when you're testing devices like your cordless phone, your mobile phone base stations, your smart meter, they use a different testing protocol. Basically, they're testing it from a distance. Um, and that's what we do as building biologists, testing the emissions from uh, devices that are implemented in your home as well as mobile phone base station smart meters. So that's a different mechanism by which we're testing. And that's based on microwatts per square metre. So any device you have, wireless device in your home, will, will be in the hundreds or potentially thousands of microwatts per square metre, which wow. is well above the um, guidelines by the Bioinitiative Report and by the International Guidelines for Non-Ionising Radiation that was published last year, which is a worldwide body involving over 30 scientists who don't have a conflict of interest, who are stating that it should be less than, you know, 10 microwatts per square metre, um, and yet it's in the millions that are, that is allowed. What's very clear is our exposure standards are not health-based standards. That's what I'm trying to say. They're not health-based standards. They are not complying with the, what the research is saying. And, of course, with the publication of the the impact on rodents with the Ramazzini Institute and the National Toxicology Program, which was over a US $25 million study that showed very conclusively that um, use of cell phones um, do increase the risk of brain tumours and schwannomas. Um, and Professor Leonard Hardell's the research over the last two decades has shown very clearly if you use a phone on one side of the head for more than an hour a day for 10 years, you more than double your risks of acoustic neuroma and um, gliomas, which are forms of rare forms of brain tumours. The problem with this is the research, the 3G, when we started to go into a digital network, which was really from 3G onwards in the early 2000s, the latency periods, by the time exposure happens to brain tumours, is 15 to 25 years. So the reality is we're not expecting the tsunami of brain tumours until around mid-2025 to 2030. So whatever the research is showing now, which is already showing that association, it's likely to be much, much higher. And that data is, you know, about to be coming out <laughs> as we're, you know, utilising this type of um, technology. Well, I mean, because, I mean, the exposure to these wireless devices are everywhere, aren't they? I mean, you can't get away from them. You've got your phone, you, you're right. You've, you've got, you know, your, your gaming controllers, which, look, I'm not going to lie, guilty. You know, when you sit on the couch, where, where are you holding it? You're basically holding it above your lap. Yes. You know, when, when my, when I was, this was yeah you know, in my old life, when I actually had time to actually sit down and, and do these sorts of things, my wife would run in because she has read your book and she was, Hey, just put a pillow underneath. And I was, stop it. You're crazy. Leave me alone. Just let me, let me play Call of Duty. But then she kept going on about it. So I'm like, okay, I've got to look into this. Oh, okay. Wow. She really does have a point. This is not good. Yes. You know, and no. even even you you walk around the supermarkets and the shopping centers and you see kids in prams just completely fixated holding these bloody phones. Oh, absolutely. And look, what's interesting is that there have been a number of really important reports that have come out 
uh, over the last two decades to show adverse health effects. For example, in 2012, the Austrian Medical Association produced a report for doctors in order to diagnose and treat electromagnetic sensitivity. Like that was done as a duty of care to um, help doctors diagnose electromagnetic sensitivity. Since then, there's been a number of really um, documented reports, comprehensive reports by the European regulations, by French researchers even last year on how to diagnose um, electromagnetic sensitivity. So what, what happened to the precautionary principle of, well, let's just wait and see if there's any damage that can arise from this technology and this sort of uh, new treatments and therapeutics. It's just out the window because the amount of money that's on the table in terms of marketing and transmission and bandwidth and download speeds and videos and all of this is just off. Uh, it's just an amazing. It's just un, unconceiv- inconceivable how much money is on the table with regards to this technology. Oh, we're talking a multi-trillion dollar industry. And the people who set the standards, ICNIT, the International Commission for Non-Ionising Radiation Protection, which is a non-governmental private organisation of a few blokes in Germany who have very close ties to telecommunications, we follow their guidelines, and yet it's a non-governmental organisation. So there's huge money to be made here, and there's a vested interest to not get this data out there and to fudge the data. As a researcher in the field of electromagnetic fields, it's very obvious. It's very hard to get funding because if you do state against the narrative, then the reality is your university is not likely to be funded is not in, in line with the narrative. So some amazing researchers have lost their jobs and positions despite being in the industry for decades um, discussing the adverse health effects associated with EMFs. So it comes back to that old saying, doesn't it? Money talks. Absolutely. I mean, as we were saying, you know, universities have become corporatized. It's about how much money you can bring in. And unfortunately, if you don't, if you're being funded by an organisation and the outcome of that funding isn't in line with the um, dividends for shareholders for that organisation, then that, that, that research may actually not be published, which is publication bias. So it may show adverse health effects, but the funder can choose not to publish that data. Now, I think that's wrong, and the public have a right to understand what what research is available. So, I mean, this is common in the pharmaceutical, agricultural and telecommunications industry, um, and the reality is people can be bought, and they are. So self-censorship, again, we see is a corrosive effect uh, caused by putting the people who benefit from a technology or a therapeutic or medicine or pharmaceutical in charge of regulating whether we should use this therapeutic pharmaceutical technology or therapy. Yes, absolutely. In the end, the CEO is there to to promote dividends for shareholders and it comes at the cost of human health. And, you know, people who are doing my advanced diploma building biology go through a stage in the first year where they get really angry as they realise the state of play and that most things you buy in shops, whether it's telecommunications, devices, digital devices, or, you know, everyday products, personal care products, makeup, cleaning products, most of it's never been tested for its impact on human health and it's not about health. Public health, apart from better sewage, you know, removing lead from petrol, uh, et cetera, there hasn't been a lot of developments in public health because most of it is in, influenced by industry and the exposure standards are done in compromise with industry to establish what's practicable in a workplace. 
So here is an industry that it's almost impossible to stop them because they're too big to be stopped. They're too big to fail. They're too big to be stopped. They got trillions of dollars in their back pocket to spend on lawyers to, to make you be quiet. So obviously you can't stop the telcos from putting up their towers and, and flooding us with these electromagnetic waves um, that might be, that are causing damage to our tissues and our cells and our membranes. So you've started the building biology movement in Australia. And so how does that sort of help to mitigate some of these um, detrimental health consequences? Well, the good news is that the, the way to reduce exposure is education and knowledge. Look, a lot of times we'll come into a house because they're concerned about something outside of themselves, smart meter, for example, inverter, mobile phone base station. But the reality is the closer you are to the source, the greater the exposure, and that happens to be your cell phone. It's the one that has the greatest exposure. So people will have a beef in their bonnet about their neighbor's smart meter, but the reality is they're exposed to hundreds of thousands of microwatts per square meter through their cell phone. So it's about educating them about the greatest source of exposure and the risk and working your way out. So you start with your cell phone, your digital devices, your PC, and then you work your way out to the other devices and then outside of that. So um, this is why without knowledge, there is no informed choice. And that's the point. So by, I realised the revolution wasn't going to happen from the, from the top down. It had to happen from the ground up. And, and that's why knowledge and education is so important to educate people how they can use technologies like me. I love my phone. I love the fact I can have a moving office, so to speak, and I'm not restricted. But I would never put it near my head. I would always use loudspeaker or I would have an, an earpiece, not Bluetooth, to be able to use that technology. Interesting. Okay. Um, so this, uh, I've heard some tips. So, so here are our listeners and they're listening to our show and they're saying, well, okay, this is great. I love this information, but, you know, like, give me some practical tips. So let's say, for example, let's, let's uh, make a metaphor or a, a kind of an equivalent argument. People are worried about health and people are worried about their children's health and um, obesity and, uh, you know, keeping their kids active and healthy and, and not letting them um, become unhealthy and potentially obese. So you can give them tips. You can say, okay, stop buying the Coca-Cola two liter that you put in the fridge. Step one. Step two, stop buying potato chips. Step three, stop, you know, so you give them practical steps that they can follow and implement in their daily lives. So one great, one great tip is don't put the phone near your head. Use earpieces that are not Bluetooth. Is there anything else that people can do inside their house uh, to minimize their exposure to EMF? Absolutely. So ideally, if they could hardwire instead of having a router, that would be the best option because the router extenders and boosters emit very high forms of radiation. Baby monitors are also high. I'm about to publish a study on the impact of a baby monitor on healthy adult sleep, and it was statistically significant. So it was a four-week double-blind randomised pilot control crossover study that looked at having a baby monitor in the second and the fourth week that, that were one was on, one was off, double blind. And for a whole week, they exposed to a baby monitor in the nighttime. And it showed that it impact their sleep, in particularly non-REM sleep in the delta waves. So oh, that, you know, probably one of the first symptoms of electromagnetic sensitivity is insomnia and sleep disturbances because it suppresses melatonin. As we know, blue light suppresses melatonin. 
Um, and also increases cancer risk across the board because melatonin is the most important anti-cancer hormone you have. So the most important advice I'd give as a building biologist is don't have any Wi-Fi enabled devices in your bedroom or adjacent rooms. No router, extended boosters, no phone charging, no Bluetooth anything, no wireless printer, computer in your room or adjacent rooms. Keep it as far away from you as possible. Certainly not your cell phone waking up in the, you know, in the, in the uh, <laughs> morning. So, and no inverters or smart meters on the other side of the wall of your bed head because that can have huge ramifications for sleep and melatonin etc amazing you know i think that would come as as quite a challenge for a lot of people not to actually have their phones right next to them as they go to bed i mean they it gets used for an alarm clock in the morning um i know look i'm i'm guilty use it as an alarm i do put it on airplane mode but obviously these things act as a antenna. They're constantly pinging for a signal. So you're constantly exposed to these things. So it would be very, very hard for a lot of people to say, right, I'm going to bed, keeping the phone in the kitchen and putting in a hardwired alarm clock or a battery alarm clock to get me up. That would, that would actually, you would need a pretty big shift in, in mindset to actually change this. You show them on your meter how bad it is and the sound that's emitted from your cell phone just by sitting there. Because remember, it's tuning into the nearest cell phone tower all yeah. the time, all the time, every few seconds. And you show them what happens when they have that cell phone there all the time. And I'm saying your body's absorbing that. You can't hear it, but this is what it's absorbing. That generally changes people's behaviour very, very quickly. So, I mean, they wouldn't be paying me 800 bucks to do an audit if they weren't going to listen to some part of that. <laughs> then, yeah, it's just a battery operator. That's the easy one. The hard one is getting the kids off their devices where they're, you know, on Wi-Fi or, you know, yeah attuned to their phone where they actually have to use a cable into their iPads for example like I thought my kids when my husband and I split up you know they got the latest wi-fi stuff at his house and me and mine was hardwired so they can't move around the house like I thought they were going to divorce me but it did take a couple of months to get used to it but now they know they have to just plug it in the ethernet cable you know in their bedroom or on their study or in the in the lounge room where there's ports um, to have Wi-Fi, it's just changing their behaviour. And that does take time okay. to adapt. But the cost of not doing that and in increasing risk for electromagnetic sensitivity, which is growing, headaches, first symptom in kids, I find, um, if it's not hypoglycemia or other causes, headaches is the common one. Sleep disturbances, without fail, is a big one for electromagnetic sensitivities. Heart-related disorders, you know, heart rate increasing or decreasing bradycardia, tachycardia, et cetera. Um, fibromyalgic type of chronic fatigue-like symptoms is very common. Tinnitus, ringing in the ears and balance problems, very common, especially near wind turbines from the infrasound, but also high exposures to radio frequencies I find very, very common amongst my, my cohort. And which happen to be similar to mold symptoms and chemical sensitivities. Like 90% of people with electrical sensitivity have been exposed in a moldy environment because it causes inflammation. It demyelinates the, the nerve sheets and makes them more sensitive to EMF, sound, chemicals, noise. So this is a multi-pronged approach. You can't address electromagnetic sensitivity. So my other advice is if you have visible mold or odour of potential mold in the house, you have to address that or you will become more sensitive, I believe, to electromagnetic fields. If you have dental amalgams or titanium implants in your body, 
uh, whether it's your orthopedic surgery or dental surgery, you are high risk for electromagnetic sensitivities, headaches, fatigue, et cetera, sleep disturbances, because you act as an antenna to that. Yeah, you might, you might call me a conspiracy theorist, Nicole, but um, last night I was in my bed. And so I should say I have a, like a metal bed frame. Um, it is on carpet, um, but I felt like a, a slight shock emanate through me and my phone was, you know, on the beds, bedside table uh, charging. Um, I should, should do something about that. Um, and I will after this conversation, but then I felt like my teeth were kind of very sensitive. And like you said, I do have those types of feelings because I am a product of the eighties and that's what we, we used to put in our teeth back then. We didn't know any better. Um, and I did feel my jaw just kind of, the other thing I have noticed, um, there are certain areas in the house. It, it's, it's a constant, constant, um, sort of tinnitus sound. It's just a constant whine sound everywhere. But there are certain areas of my house where it gets really, really, really loud. And one of those areas is, is around my bed. And I think maybe potentially because of the phone and other things that I have around there. Um, so I have heard and tell me if I'm crazy because a lot of people do. It's all right, Nicole, you can feel free to jump on the bandwagon. Um, but I've heard that if you can put your mobile phone in a potato chip bag, like one of those, uh, the chips, the crisps that you get at the convenience store, little tiny snack pack, empty it out, wash it, and then put your phone in there, that that will help to reduce the transmissions that are being amplified and reflected by that phone. Is that true? Yeah. So the thicker the metal bag is, aluminium foil, the thicker it is, et cetera, the more you'll attenuate the radio frequency. Absolutely. So the way shielding is used as a last resort to reduce exposure to radio frequencies, which is emitted by all your Wi-Fi enabled devices. Um, and we use, they are normally carbon inflected textiles or silver ions or copper ions, silver mainly, um, within the, the textile in order to reduce exposure. So any aluminium bag will help attenuate and the thicker that 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 bag is the more um, useful it will be at attenuating those radio frequencies and how would you know is because if someone tried to ring your phone it wouldn't ring the more ah. so you can test it that way so yes absolutely look in some cases where people have no no money and they've got a smart meter and they have to put their bed head against there and they can't relocate the bed to another wall um, then I might get their bedside mirror you know you know they have that the tall buy and the bedside mirror and put it against it because the metal from the mirror will help reflect some of that not much but it will reflect some any form of metal will reflect and attenuate so that brings to another problem that each house is going to be unique in its exposure to potential hot spots which is what you're describing that there could be hot spots in the house if you have a color bond roof metal roof that could be good to reflect external frequencies that are coming from a mobile phone base station to the metal roof and reflecting it back out but if you have metal cladding around the building envelope, your walls, for example, and a metal roof, if you bring Wi-Fi in there, any form of technology or cell phones, it's going to act like a microwave oven and bounce and reflect back in. So, you know, steel frame homes with metal cladding on a concrete basis like a Faraday cage, that is a disaster for exposures to high levels of um radio frequencies because you it's acting like a Faraday cage and your devices will be bouncing all, all over the, the wall, so to speak, the radiation that's emitted from those devices. 
So if, for example, I'm doing an assessment of a terrace home in Melbourne or Sydney, you know, those old double-storey terrace homes that are a few million bucks, for example, brick, double brick construction, they're a disaster because if someone, if my client next to the neighbour of my client has a, a router, it will go through three or four of those homes, that radiation, and there's nothing you can do about it short of shielding because you're at the mercy of people next to you in multi-storey apartment above and below you their cordless phone and router will be emitting so much radiation that will go through three or four apartments that you are at the mercy of the people around you which is why a lot of my building biologists move out to country areas or areas where their phone their house is detached from other homes that so they can control their environment which is becoming very very difficult to do in light of the issues we raised early on in the program so interesting um, it and really like is. it really yeah. is it's, it's it's the amount of exposure we're copying unknow unknowingly it's phenomenal isn't it and if i could add to that sam a little bit of conspiracy theory we were locked down we were told stay in your home and work from your home and then like oh but my my router my my wireless transmitter is not that strong so you go to a shop can i get a booster can i get a booster can i get something to amplify the signal and you put them all over your house so you never are out of internet range. And now you can work from home comfortably, but at the same time, you're just cooking yourself alive, basically, with microwaves. Exactly right. And a lot of those homes, 40% of new builds have mold. You know, mold is so common, and that seems to be a precursor and a high susceptibility rate to electromagnetic sensitivities. Yeah. If only there were a vaccine that is, against that. that. So That is so interesting that... The, the correlation and connection between those two, uh, that, is, that is fascinating. It really is. There's very little in the data, in the scientific research on it, but this is just based on my industry. I find, as I said, every one of the people with electrical sensitivity have a history of being in mouldy environments. And I think it's because it demyelinates the sheep, which means that the electrical conductivity to the, the muscular system, for example, is compromised and they become sensitive to the environment. The environment has changed so dramatically, especially with radio frequencies in the last three decades, that a minor change in the environment has resu resulted in mass extinction of multiple species, more than 50% of species on the earth since industrial revolution. By introducing these radio frequencies, and now in the magnetosphere with all these satellites and the, you know, this antenna, phased array antenna for the 5G network, we're essentially potentially phasing out human beings as we know it because we have not tested its impact on health. And we know minor changes can result in mass extinction, which it has. And we're currently in one of the largest experiments, let alone the whole VAX thing. But on top of that, the, the radiation side of things that we've ever seen since, you know, humans have been on the planet. So we're, so, we're actually getting bombarded from all sides, aren't we? We've got pharma coming at us. We've got tech coming at us. They just, they want us out. They want us out of the picture and they don't want us talking about this kind of stuff, do uh, they? But Sam, who is they? Like who is uh, benefiting you know, from this? You, you, you know like because our, the, the WF, they're human as well, right? Like Klaus, I think he's a human being. So he, for he, now. For, he doesn't want to have this radiation. Scotty, he's a human being. Nicola, she's a human being. So who's benefiting from putting in all these sorts of arrays and, and transmitters? I mean, it just seems like, it, it almost seems like we want to kill ourselves and just get rid, just rid this planet of humans. We want to be so connected to everything that we're willing to do it at whatever cost. Mm. I think this is why it's, this in many ways has many disadvantages COVID has brought. It's really shaken up a lot of this proportion of society who were asleep to realise that what sort of society do they want to live in? Is 
uh, rampant consumerism doing it for them in terms of being happy? No, of course not. You know, this planned obsolescence of appliances and global pollution, et cetera, it's not working. We need communities. We need to be self-sufficient. We need to support our farmers. We need to eat seasonal, local, organic and whole. We, it's questioning everything, which actually is an important part of human evolution. We're at the cusp of a pivotal point in human evolution where we have to make these decisions about what it means to be human, what makes us happy. And it certainly isn't this rampant consumerism and this connection to devices and, and the fact that we have less connection now with our kids than ever before because of their addiction to these devices. We need to really question all of this. And I think this is an amazing opportunity to do that. It's amazing you say that, um, Nicole, because our interview yesterday was Dr. Pilevsky, um, and he was saying that we are at the dawn of humankind. Like we are, we're entering into a new era where we realize this is what it is to be human and we have to make a decision and we have to make a choice of how we proceed into our future because the way that we're going now it's not looking good. <laughs> it's not looking good. Um, so you gave us some tips. So uh, basically, I think if I can summarize your advice in three words, it's back to the 80s. Four words, I guess, back to the 80s. Go back to wires, go back to non-wireless, uh, connect everything with those big blue cords that you used to have all over the house. Um, try to have ports where you can plug in. Um, try to keep stuff away from your bed. Try to get a good night's sleep. Uh, listen to music on your iPod, not, not uh, through your phone with the Bluetooth headphones. Um, what about your actual house? What can we do to the house? Like you said, these double brick terrace houses, the signal just pierces them like a hot knife through butter. So how would we go about shielding, besides the metal roof that you mentioned earlier, how would we shield the walls to minimize those really strong transmissions from those 5G towers just outside the window? It's going to be very hard because the problem with shielding is that it's going to exacerbate the electric field and the dirty electricity, which we haven't gone into. So one comes at the cost of the other. So wow. more than not, it's not often, but I would often recommend people if they're electrically sensitive to potentially move to a better, a cleaner environment because those environments are becoming impossible to deal with. So being mindful about the type of home that you're in and if you're going to use wireless technology, if you have metal all around you, that may not be ideal. You know, living in a shipping container in a tiny house in a shipping container, if you want wireless technology, then that's not going to work. Being mindful about that. Um, at the same time, like in my house in the 80s, there's no vapour barriers. Just those vapour barriers, you know, that aluminium foil in the walls, that will reflect a lot of the radiation too. But the catch-22 is if you have wireless technology inside the house, it's going to reflect back in. So that's the always the catch-22. So for me, it's about educating people about, you know, reducing their exposure as much as possible earthing, going to the beach, getting your feet in soil and earthing yourself because people with electrical sensitivity are always better when they're in the ocean. Seems to, to, to help earth them better. Um, Epsom salt baths are good. Getting bare feet on soil is good. Walking in nature, just get to nature as much as possible. With the house, you know, really trying to reduce your exposure. Not having cordless phones, they have very high sources of exposures like wireless routers, extenders and boosters. Hard wiring if you can. If you have to shield, get a building biologist involved, not a shielding company that's going to charge 10 grand when you only need to do a few hundred bucks on a wall, for example. 
Um, you know, being mindful about those issues is important. And again, also making sure with mould environments that, you know, you, you get it tested if you've got any adverse health effects, lung problems, colds and flus that keep coming back, pneumonia or chronic fatigue-like symptoms, then there could be mould there, which in turn can increase your susceptibility to electromagnetic sensitivity. So keep your house dry, cleaning, get rid of the clutter, get rid of the hoarding, you know, remove the, reduce the dust load in the house as much as possible you know have your shoes outside so you're not tracking in all those pesticides and dust load into the home um, opening up windows as much as possible unless you live near a 10 lane freeway in which case don't open your windows <laughs> um, you know it really comes down a lot to common sense um, you know in terms of reducing exposure reducing exposure to chemicals not having chemical pesticides because that can also increase your risk for i believe for electromagnetic sensitivity and mold sensitivities yeah I've heard that if you put bags of Epsom salt around your, maybe your computer and then change them out when it, when it gets uh, ground up or it's more powdery, is that, is that a uh, woo woo? Is that conspiracy theory or is that, okay. All right. I uh, thought you, so. You go along with the, the chip packet. You should have, you should have quit. I should have quit while I was there. Aluminium. I was going to start walking around with Epsom bags around my head, you know, yeah, you <laughs> instead mentioned, of tinfoils. You mentioned. You mentioned getting back to nature and spending time in, in, in the outdoors, and I'm all for that. Um, we had a reservoir reservoir recently open up here um, to get people outside and kayaking and cycling and fishing. Um, I drove past the other day, and the one thing that stood out to me was they wanted everyone outside and be healthy in nature, but they've put a giant 5G tower right in the middle of the scrub. <laughs> and I it just I looked and I just, I just shook my head. I, I couldn't couldn't comprehend what I was seeing. I mean, so having you know a tower basically so close to a, a water source, what is that going to do to the water? What is that going to do to the surrounding environment? Well, that's a great question. Well, I don't think we can really answer that in terms of what it's doing to the water. We certainly know on a biological effect it acts on cell membranes, resulting in calcium fluxes, as I said, to the heart, especially to the brain and to the testicles. So there's a growing volume of research on its impact on sperm count, which has dropped by 50% in 50 years. Wow. I mean, if anything, if human species... Is, is going to go, it will be probably because we're infertile, I think, more than anything. But having a towel there, et cetera, you know, it's like because there's no requirement for industry to prove safety before they launch this. This is part of, in my first chapter, called the four dog defence, how industry keep toxic products potentially on the market for decades before anyone does anything about it because the burden of proof is not on them to prove it's safe. So they first go, first dog defence is my dog doesn't bite. 5G doesn't cause problems. Why? Because I don't have to provide any evidence to show it's safe. Secondly, my dog um, does bite, but it didn't hurt you because, you know, you weren't exposed. And then, of course, my dog does bite, but it only hurt you if it's above the exposure standards, which are not health-based standards. And then the last one is my dog does bite and bit you, but it's your fault because I warned you not to use my product. So you see on the cigarette smoke, smoking packets, tongue cancer and gangrene. They warned you not to buy the product, but you did. So it's your fault. It's your responsibility. Yeah. No accountability. 
your cell phone warned you under settings, under, you know, you have to find, it takes you 15 minutes to find, not to put that cell phone near your person, which actually means it's not fit for purpose, which means, well, that's interesting. It's consumer it? law all over again. Yeah, it's like, uh, didn't you read the packaging? It's on the box. Where? Yeah, that tiny little script. The, see the 0.5 font? Oh, I see it. You know, don't put next to your head. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Now you're not liable. Hmm. Interesting. Exactly. So this is the problem. We've got a system. I'm not anti-capitalism, but basically what I've concluded after doing this for two decades is that the, the dividends for shareholders come at the cost of human, human health. That's the reality of the world we live in. And that has to change because that's not serving. It's costing huge amounts. The cost risk benefit analysis is not skewed towards you know, good for public health because the real costs, the Medicare costs, the health costs, the lack of work productivity costs. I mean, in some parts of Australia, one in three children are diagnosed with a neurodevelopmental disorder like autism or ADHD. One in three, 75% of them will be on a national disability pension and will never be able to work for that community. So unless we have a mass migration policy, we are stuck because, you know, we have a pandemic of neurodevelopmental disorders, autism, ADHD. We have a pandemic of neurodegenerative disorders, Parkinson's, dementia, which we didn't see four decades ago. What happened four decades ago? We introduced pesticides. We changed farming techniques. We introduced chemicals in everyday products and in our building materials. We introduced, you know, one, two, three, four, five G over the last three decades. We've dramatically changed the environment to such a point. This species will not survive. We, it, it just can't because there's already damning evidence that it has massive ramifications and it's showing in the research as significant chronic illnesses, which one in two adults are currently experiencing in this country. So our, our need for technolo technological advancement is going to be the thing that kills us. Well, it's certainly dramatically escalating ageing and chronic illnesses, for sure, because it causes low-grade inflammation, which is ageing and chronic disease. It all leads to Rome, oxidative stress, um, cell death, and of course, low-grade systemic inflammation. Yeah. Once the the body is inflamed, it's it's you know it's kind of hard to get back under control, isn't it? And and it's a constant barrage of of exposure. Exactly. And then, of course, we all end up on this polypharmacy, multiple drugs causing side effects, and more drugs, and more drugs, and more drugs, and we all die. Yeah, we're living longer, but we're all sicker. Is that yeah. the sort of life we want? I don't think so. No, no way. No, no chance. And yet you suppress things like cannabis, which is incredible in terms of its anti-inflammatory, but there's mass finally starting to come onto the market, thank God. We've known about it. Incredible how it is for inflammatory, CBD. I'm not talking THC. Oh, I thought you, you know where I can get some, Doc. <laughs> you know all these amazing things in natural therapies and let's face it 45 percent of pharmaceuticals were derived from plants which came from nature um but yeah this i mean we could just talk endlessly about what's going on and suppression to the public and its impact on human health uh, because the healthy people don't make money not if you can grow it in your backyard that's right if you're healthy then you're putting these people out of business and that's not good for them. That's why the revolution has to start with education. Yeah, it's not a healthcare model, Sam. Not a healthcare. It's a sick care. <laughs> you know, my mistake. I should, I should be aware of what's going on. But I mean, people need to, I think people, not need to, I don't want to be telling people what to do, but you can't, and we've said this before, you can't force them to 
look around them and, and take notice and say, hey, look, this is potentially killing you. It's time to make a change. They need to kind of have their wake up call. And that could potentially become, you know, be too late. Yes, I'll probably phrase it a bit more diplomatic, diplomatically like that and to my students, but educate the people how to reduce their exposure to these things that could cause adverse health effects. And when we quantify it with instruments and lab testing and things like that, we're able to show here's the evidence to support my hypothesis that I think this is making you sick. And then they act, which is why the building biology industry was established to do that. Have you have you found the opposite? Like you present all this information and and the results, and they still don't want to see it, or is it you know they they get it in black and white and go, oh shit, yeah, the phone is actually messing up my health. It's time to time to put it down. Are there are there people that are are still in denial of, about this kind of stuff? Sure, there are, but they're generally not our clients. By the time they pick up the phone to get a building biologist, they're desperate and they've seen 10 doctors and 10 naturopaths and they don't know why they're sick and they want answers. And whilst we can't say it caused their health effects, we'll say here's all the evidence in the scientific literature and isn't it interesting the symptoms are identical to yours. So why don't you just reduce your exposure over the next two weeks and see how you go? And 90% of the time it makes a massive difference. And it's so easy. It's like, if you tell me seed oils are linked to obesity, oh, okay, I'll stop eating seed oils. I'll eat coconut oil or I'll eat olive oil, you know? And if you tell me Coca-Cola is linked to obesity, oh, I'll stop drinking Coca-Cola. It's that easy. I mean, just stop doing something. So if, if putting a phone next to your bedside table is creating a hotspot that is exposing you to all of these uh, microwaves, then stop putting the phone next to your bedside, you know? Uh, and so I think as long as people are aware of some of the steps that they can take, it comes down to us. It comes down to the individual resisting what the system wants to put upon us and us saying, no, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put this in my body. I'm not going to put that next to my bed. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not, thank you very much. I appreciate your help, but I'm going to go my own way. Thanks again. It sounds like you're talking freedom of choice there. Oh, sorry, Sam. I forgot we're living in a free country. Uh, no freedom of choice here in Australia, in the prison wow, colony. How very interesting. <laughs> yes. And make an informed choice. People don't can't make an informed choice because, firstly, they wrongly assume, as I said, it's in the shop, it's in the telecommunication store, it must have been tested. Yeah. And that's the first myth you have to dispel and educate them about that so they can make an informed choice. Ultimately, once I do an assessment of a home and I provide a report, it's up to the client as to whether they take that on or not. If they take it on or not, it's not, it's not, I don't take that personally. At least now I know they can make an informed choice and ultimately that's what my role is to help consumers make informed choices. My worry, my worry Nicole, is that um, you give people the information, like Sam was saying, and people then look at you like you're a conspiracy theorist, like you're talking woo, you're talking crazy. How are these electromagnetic fields all around me doing me any damage? Look at me, I'm healthy. I'm totally healthy. They say with glassy eyes and a, a parched mouth and like eh, all these ailments, I'm totally healthy. And my government said that it's healthy and my regulator said that it's fine. So what are you on about? And no matter how much evidence, no matter how many studies, no matter how much data you put in front of them, Unless this higher authority says it, they don't believe you and they, they don't do the actual research themselves and they don't go down these rabbit holes that will eventually lead to better outcomes for them individually. 
Yes. And look, until they get really sick and they've exhausted every other avenue, then they're more likely to be open. So there's always a subset of, of the population that aren't interested and really you're wasting your energy trying to convince them otherwise. But I, I would challenge them to do live blood analysis because you will find red blood cell rouleau or clumping of red blood cells immediately upon exposure to radio frequencies in real time. I mean, you can't deny that with when you're getting live blood analysis that wow. that, that actually happens. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, a good way to start. But, look, I, I don't waste my time with people who are completely not open to this. That's fine. I've got enough work to, to help patients in as many ways as I can who are open to asking the right questions. Yeah. Same thing with Dr. Pilevsky yesterday. I said, Dr. Pilevsky, I'm so worried about this because the people who have this don't want to listen to people who don't have this. And he was saying, don't worry about them. Just let them do their own thing. You do your thing. And you just worry about people who are doing things that are similar to your things and go with them because that's your community. Exactly right. <laughs> wow. Nicole, great information. Um, uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can people get a hold of a building biologist to come and assess their house to see how they can minimize their exposure to this kind of stuff? We have an association, Australasian Society of Building Biologists. That's asbb.org.au. So there's a list of building biologists around Australia who will assist them. Some states don't have any. So, you know, it's a very much a growing industry. Um, for training, we run the Australian College of Environmental Studies. But also for consumers, I've got the book Healthy Home, Healthy Family, which they can get on Booktopia or through my website, buildingbiology.com.au. That's the old version. The old, yes, old. but we wrote it like this. Uh, but but this is wrote. signed, so you know that's all good. Oh, you signed it. I, oh. I, keep my, I, keep I will myself, send you a copy. I will send you both a copy. Oh, she beautiful. sees your copy and she raises your copy, Sam. Oh my god! Yes. Well, to, to to be all right. Well, it, it is my wife's book. She's you know I I asked I asked uh, the Vax man the other day, how do you measure success in this show? And one of those measurements I think is. Um, my wife taking interest in this and she was actually she actually suggested you so um, I think that's a measurement of success that she's taking such an interest in what I'm doing <laughs> and it's it's and we're not completely anti-government anti-everything are we we'd like we like to provide a um, you know a bit of help for people yes well I think it's interesting no one in Australia was so laid back was interested in politics except the last two years where we went Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> I think what, you, what you've experienced with the telcos over the last decade is what we've experienced in the last two years with our own government. We've started to see, oh, I get it now. The people who are making the policy are the people who get rich from that policy. Interesting. Huh? Might there be some corruption there? Mm, I wonder. Um, Nicole, amazing information. Uh, it, is, it is very doable. It is not an impossible task for our listeners to, to get on the right track to health um, by minimizing their exposure to these microwaves. And as they tell you, you know, you, we've known it from since the 80s when microwaves came out. Don't stand in front of the microwave. Don't stand. In. So we know that these electromagnetic waves at these very short frequencies that do a lot of damage and they penetrate tissues uh, quite harmfully. So try to minimize your exposure to that. We have a wonderful book, Healthy Home, Healthy Family. We have an awesome website, asbb.org.au. We have Nicole with her Australian College of Environmental Studies. So the information is out there. The resources are out there. It's just up to us to go and find them. 
And that's the way of the world nowadays. It's up to us. We can no longer count on the people in charge to take care of us if they ever did. And we start to see now in these last two years, they've encapsulated the fact that they don't necessarily have our, the individual's best interest at heart. So you have to look out for yourself and look out for your family. And there are so many resources out there. And Nicole, you've been amazing. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our uh, listeners, Nicole? No, I think we covered it all. It's really to, you know, just chunk it out in small bits, read, start becoming educated and don't don't give your power away. Knowledge is power. So start to look in the scientific research, start to read widely, listen to experts, think about where funding's coming from in terms of bias. It's very common in the scientific literature. And, um, you know, think about who's going to benefit from this. Like when you get a doctor speaking out to support their, their patient as opposed to someone who's getting funding from the industry that they're, they're speaking about, it's quite obvious when you really open your eyes. Follow the money. <laughs> nice and short. Follow the money. Thank you so much, Nicole. Uh, Sam, again, your Shawshanking skills are amazing. You brought another great host, another great guest to the uh, to the show. Nicole's been amazing. She has so much good information. Sam, I think you should feel proud of yourself. Let, let me give you a little clap, a little oh, uh, pat wow, on the back, you. mate. Oh, yeah, wow, good job. That, that's so nice. Let's but you're still fired. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll find another co-host. I dare you. <laughs> oh, oh, Nicole, do you need a co-hosting job? <laughs> yes. Hey, hey, I'm right there here. You go, I'm Sam. Here. See on. you later. <laughs> Thanks again, Nicole. Thank you, Sam. This has been the Vaxman. And this is Sam. And remember, resist, live free, do not comply. This has been Prison Colony Resistance, where you come to get your PCR test for truth.